0: Welcome to It Awaits You, a podcast composed of true Southern Gothic tales for the modern age. Welcome back to It Awaits You, a podcast exploring true Southern Gothic stories for the modern age. Now that you've learned all about the connections between Antoine Pittman's life and the victims of the Seven Bridges Killer, you can judge the trial just as it was meant to judge Antoine. After the long list of undeniable ties between Antoine Pittman and the Seven Bridges Killer's victims were uncovered after his arrest on September 1st, 2009. It was the trial that truly revealed evidence that was difficult to explain away as mere coincidence. Even though some of the presented evidence would be circumstantial in nature, it was an overwhelming body of circumstantial evidence. Antoine was intertwined with the victims in their world well beyond sex with Tara Nicholson, which to remind you, occurred 24 hours or less before her death, according to two experts who testified on behalf of the prosecution. If you go back and watch the available trial footage yourself, covering Antoine's testimony during cross-examination, his defense's futile narrative, the somber and abrupt closing argument delivered by the prosecutor, and dramatic moments during sentencing, you're of course going to draw your own unique conclusions. But the fact is, after what the jury saw and heard during the trial, they convicted Antoine Pittman of first-degree murder after deliberating for 45 minutes. So why did they feel compelled to act so swiftly? It's time to venture into the trial. During the early September probable cause hearing after Antoine's arrest, he was indicted for murder and denied bond by Judge Pell Cooper. He was also assigned two court-appointed defense attorneys, Tommy Moore and Tom Salinger. Shortly after, it was decided he would be moved from Nash County Jail to Raleigh Central Prison. For his own safety while awaiting trial, what would end up being a two year purgatory for Antoine as well as the families of the victims. Both prosecution and defense asked for extensions in order to prepare their cases. The location of the trial was moved from Edgecombe County to Windsor Superior Court in Bertie County, North Carolina, after the publicity that started growing prior to Antoine's arrest in September 2009 only continued to overwhelm the community. The shift in trial location wouldn't prevent the media from filming the testimony of Antoine Pittman, the powerful closing argument from the prosecutor, and Antoine's final words as a free man. But perhaps he was partly to blame for his undoing. Antoine's story on the stand took various turns that challenged logic and reason, at least on the surface. So, what you're about to hear is Antoine's version of events, as confusing and suspect, as they might appear. Early in the day on Sunday, March 1st, 2009, Antoine and his girlfriend were on a mission to fulfill a recent request with an approaching deadline from his girlfriend's mom. She wanted them to transfer the title of the black 1996 Pontiac Bonneville they had been using from her name into their names and take it back to Rocky Mount. She didn't want them using the car while she still owned it given issues with both of their licenses. Since they had recently taken care of the paperwork, Antoine's girlfriend's cousin offered to tow the car from the town of Enfield back to the Anderson Street house in Rocky Mount where Antoine lived with his girlfriend, his mom, and his mom's boyfriend. Antoine paid him the $80 he requested and once the car was returned, one of Antoine's cousins helped him acquire 30-day tags for the car as he was short on cash until his next paycheck from the chicken plant. From there, Antoine and his girlfriend drove to Blockbuster, where they found a couple movies to bring home and watch for a few hours. Before their quiet Sunday night could continue, Antoine received a call from his manager. What type of manager, you might ask? Well, Antoine was an aspiring songwriter and rapper, hoping to create a company he called Firehouse Entertainment. He took the Pontiac Bonneville out on its second drive as his own car, to a studio in the town of Red Oak, just outside of Rocky Mount. There, he and his manager listened to beats, made plans for an upcoming show, and recorded a couple songs. They left the studio around 9 or 9.30, went to the mall for a few minutes, and then left each other's company. In Antoine's words, we gave each other dap, he went his way, and I went mine. It was at this point Antoine said he decided to visit yet another cousin of his that lived near the Braswell Memorial Public Library, next to a homeless shelter. This also happened to be an area in Rocky Mount where you could find a sex worker, if you were looking. At an intersection near the library, Antoine said he observed a black female he didn't know waving him down. Keep in mind, Tara told her mom she didn't get in the car with people she didn't know. Plus, Antoine did know the Nicholsons through Tara's sister's boyfriend. So, the lies started the moment he started talking about Tara on the stand. But, as he recounted in court, this mystery woman asked him if he wanted to have some fun. He returned her proposition with a question. Are you tricking? She said yes. He told her it would have to be quick because of his early shift at the chicken plant. She was down with that, Antoine said there wasn't much communication from there, but he later changed his story during the course of testimony, saying there was some small talk. She asked him if he had a spot, and he promptly suggested the Carolina Inn over by Church Street. Why? It had rooms by the hour. This is worth noting, given Antoine told SBI agents prior, he had never been with a sex worker. Despite his previous charge for solicitation, and his intimate knowledge of a great place to take a sex worker. Antoine later said they had a slight conversation en route to the hotel. He told her his name was Coop, and she said her name was No Panties. He grinned and almost laughed as he reminisced about this detail in court. Next, he paid for a room in the rundown hotel. He said sometimes he got a discount because of his frequency of use, contradicting his line about this being unfamiliar territory for him. For $20, he and Tara had brief sex. From there, she wanted him to drop her off across the train tracks at a store he couldn't recall during testimony. He said he couldn't go across the tracks because of his 30-day tags, likely fearing another arrest, and dropped her off near the library where their encounter first started. And why was there DNA evidence left in Tara? Well, his explanation for that was simple. The condom busted. Antoine admitted when questioned that he later learned Tara's name because of the case making its way to the news. Which makes sense, after all, his computer hard drive revealed articles about her murder from the Rocky Mount Telegram as accessed in March 2009 and a saved picture of her weeks after his SBI interview in August 2009. Antoine claimed to read the telegram regularly at the time. However the downloaded picture appears to be more unique in motivation. Ultimately, his official statement about the end of the night goes as follows. The last time he saw her was when he dropped her off without harming her close to midnight after having consensual sex by the library. He calmly denied killing her in court and said he returned home to 219 Anderson Street that night, where his mom and her boyfriend were in bed and his girlfriend was at the computer. He told her the studio went well and prepared for bed early in order to meet at the 24-hour McDonald's in time to catch the Purdue van to work, as the chicken plant wasn't in Rocky Mount, but in Lewiston, North Carolina. And by 7 a.m. Monday morning, March 2, 2009, Antoine was back at work, wielding his knife on the filet line at Purdue, unaware of what became of Tara Nicholson after she left his car by the library the night before. So that's Antoine's story, a story that changed between his first interview and court testimony. The defense lawyer ended his portion of the cross-examination with a simple statement, seconded by Antoine. Just because you have sex with a prostitute, doesn't mean you killed her. But as the prosecutor would soon plainly point out during his turn at cross-examining Antoine, there were many reasons to believe he likely killed Tara, and in a greater context, the other women as well. However, the defense would continue to raise points about the case that, while unconvincing to the jury at the time, might prove significant if re-examined. And even more so, maybe the most important evidence that could connect Antoine to all the murders, if it exists, was never discussed during the trial at all. Come back in one week to hear about those revelations, the prosecution's cross-examination, closing arguments, and Antoine's outburst during his conviction, in addition to the dwindling hope of further murder charges as time dragged on after the trial. All that and more. It awaits you. In the meantime, you can find us on social media and get even more content through our Patreon, where your support is very appreciated. If you like this episode and want others to hear about it, take a moment to follow, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it awaits you.